Assalamu alaikum my friends my name is Fazal welcome to Injil for Muslim podcast Allah Taala has given the Injil Sharif to be a blessing and guidance for all peoples including the Muslim community Inshallah these lessons will guide you to understand the word of God which Allah has given through Isa al-Masih The Injil for Muslims podcast is especially designed for those from Muslim families who want to learn more about the Injil Sharif Please listen closely as my friend Dr. Daud teaches. Our prayer is that you will learn to love Isa Al-Masih with all your heart, soul, mind and strength as you listen. Assalamu alaikum my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Injil is for Muslims podcast. I'm so thankful for those of you who've continued to listen to this podcast and to continue to listen to these teachings. Today we have the great joy of beginning to study perhaps the the most beautiful of the teachings of Hazrat Isa al-Masih which we call the Sermon on the Mount or the Bahari Waz. There's an ayat that I often think about from the Quran Karim every time I study the Bahari Waz that every time I see the Sermon on the Mount by Hazrat Isa al-Masih and it's from Surah Al-Isra which is the 17th surah of the Quran the 88th ayat and here it is. This is Allah Taala giving proof for the divine revelation of the Quran it says say if the whole of mankind and jinns were to gather together to produce the like of this Quran they could not produce the like thereof even if they backed up each other with help and support the Quran makes a claim more than once that th- there could be nothing as beautiful as the Quran and whenever i hear that ayat i often think of a few things the zabur for one But this teaching of Hazrat Isa al-Masih the Bahari was the sermon on the mount it's the most beautiful teaching that Hazrat Isa al-Masih gave and honestly if you want to read just one section of the Injil Sharif that will change your life that will fill your heart with with the 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 beauty of the teaching of Hazrat Isa al-Masih then read the the sermon on the mount Today I'm going to give an overview of the sermon on the mount and after this we're going to be going through this this teaching ayat by ayat <laughs> And the Sermon on the Mount is simply three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, three chapters of Matikinjil, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in these three chapters, Hazrat Isa al-Masih was teaching his disciples what it means to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As we read previously, Hazrat Isa al-Masih came into the wilderness and he was proclaiming this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's the same message that god sent hazrat yahya alayhi salam to pronounce before hazrat isa al-masi they were both proclaiming this message well if we want to understand what it means to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand then we should go to the pahari was and we should understand what it means to give our lives to god and what it means to, for, for us to give our hearts fully to him And so we're not going to read the entire thing today but we're going to read key verses and look at the overview of the entire thing. So turn with me to Matthew 5 verses 1 and 2. When Hazrat Isa al-Masih saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him that he began to teach them. So reminding what happened before when Hazrat Isa al-Masih came back from his pakusul and then he'd gone out to be face yes mice the temptation of iblis in the wilderness and he'd overcome him by quoting the torah shrief to him three times or if you remember iblis fled from him at the end of this then he came back and he began doing his miraculous works and began giving his teaching and he was healing many people 
And at the end of Matthew chapter 4, we saw that large crowds were following him from Galil, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. They were following him from Syria, from modern Palestine, from modern Jordan, from modern Lebanon. All these places were coming and gathering to, to hear and to see Hazrat Isel Masih. And when Hazrat Isel Masih saw these crowds, his natural inclination was this, was to teach them the word of God. And so he begins this beautiful message. What I want to tell you, first of all, about this message that Hazrat Isel Masih gave is that the primary thing that he was doing was destroying hypocrisy. If you look at the world today and the people in it, those who are very religious, I've seen that many people don't like religious people. And I've seen that those who are highly religious are often scorned or disliked by the average person. Why? Why do people dislike religious people? Because it's so common for hypocrisy. Most people are putting a burden upon others and saying, you should act this way. But in private, they aren't doing that. M- much religion that is done today is done simply to show other people that we're religious. I've seen the same thing in every religion around the world. Sometimes, for example, I've had a Muslim friend who puts on his white kurta pajama and puts on his topi on Friday hoping that everyone will see him in that clothing and think that is a religious person who went for Salat today, that he's done his prayers today. Whether they go or don't go, they they want to make sure that others see. And many times they don't even go. They just put on the kurta pajama and they put on the topi so that others will see them in that dress and think that they are a religious person. Many of my Muslim friends have confessed to me in private that, yes, we, we show that we fast during Ramadan, but after a few days... We, we secretly take some food in private, but we don't want others to see. You see, they want to show themselves as religiously following the fast, but they don't do it in private. When the world sees that religion is laying a burden upon them, but they see that the people who follow those religions aren't really doing the things that those religions say, they're not impressed. Another thing is with us that most people say that religious people are not filled with love. They, they don't have kind hearts, that they're, they're harsh, that they attack others, and they're simply trying to tear others down. And it focuses on externally following rules rather than having a transformation in our heart. Well, the thing that Hazrat Isal Masih does in the, in the Sermon on the Mount is he begins to attack this kind of religion, attack this kind of religion that just is there to show others and is there to impress others rather than having some sort of reality from within. You see, at that time, there were religious leaders over Bani Israel who had become experts in showing religion to others. And in Matthew chapter 23, Hazrat Isal Masih made this very strong statement against them. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. We all know that many graves, they're beautiful on the outside, right? But they're painted, they look white, they might be ornate even. And especially when we go to the tombs of the Sufis, they've designed them to be beautiful on the outside. But what is on the inside of every tomb? A dead body, bones, things that are unclean. What Hazrat Isal Masih is saying is that many people's religion is just like that. On the outside, they might show themselves to be like the most beautiful tomb in the world, but in, on the inside, there's no real reality. And the Hazrat Isal Masih is attacking this kind of religion 
and the Baharia was. And he's saying that we need to have a genuine relationship with God, that we need to be close to God, and that that, that is what God desires for us. So let me read just a few verses from the Bahari was to give you an idea of the sorts of things that Hazrat Isa al-Masih is saying in this passage. First, look to me with chapter 5, verse 20, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Hazrat Isa al-Masih said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. He says this, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are more righteous than those people who are very religious. He's saying this to this crowd, right? That he's telling them all, those people that you regard as the most religious people, they are not righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? It means a few things, but primarily what Hazrat Isalmasi means by this is, is simply that we need to have an inside that matches our outside, that we need to have a righteousness inside, that we need to clean the inside of our lives rather than merely showing ourselves to be outwardly pure. A few verses before that, in Matthew chapter 5, 8, Hazrat Isa al-Masih says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I know that in religion today, that purity is is coveted. In Islam, people do ghusls and voodoos, and they want to make sure that the clothes that they're wearing are appropriate for doing salat, that they I've had many times that I've tried to offer an Anjil Sharif to a Muslim friend and they say, I cannot take it because I'm not clean. They're not pure at that time. They, they say, let me do voodoo and then I, I can take it after that, after I do my cleaning. But in a, in a state of impurity, I cannot take the word of God. I cannot do those sorts of things. And many of my Muslim friends are obsessed with this concept of purity of gaining purity. In fact, I remember even during COVID, I was looking at some of the fatwa that were written by Deobandi leader out of Deoband in India. And people were asking them questions like this. If we're trying to fast and we have to do a COVID test and something goes into our nose, does it invalidate the fast? Does it break that? And they were asking questions like, can we use this alcoholic sand sanitizer on our hands or to clean things, or will that make us impure because it's it's alcoholic? I was reading the fatwas that were being written back by these muftis, and they were wrestling with those sorts of questions. And why were people asking those kinds of questions? Because they knew that if they weren't ritually pure, that they couldn't enter the presence of God, that they could not go do salat. Well, Hazrat Isa al-Masih is saying in the Pahari was that God is less interested and people's outward states, whether or not they've had something happen to them externally, he's more concerned with the purity of our hearts, that he's more concerned with whether we're internally clean than whether we're externally clean. And this is a complete reversal of what most purity laws are about. Hazrat Isa al-Masih um, is saying, blessed are the pure who are pure within, blessed are the pure in heart. Let me give an example of how he says this in the Bahari was. Look to Matthew 5, 27. Hazrat Isa al-Masih said, You've heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. What is adultery? When a man might go and have a sexual relationships with a woman who's not his own wife. There's many kinds of adultery, but Hazrat Isa al-Masih is quoting here from the, the Torah Sharif, from Hazrat Musa salam, where it says this in the, the second book of the Torah Sharif, Exodus chapter 20, when Hazrat Musa salam received the shariat from um, from Allah Tala after the Bani Israel came out of Mizr, that he's uh, he's quoting that in Exodus chapter twenty. But Hazrat Isa Masih, he he takes that external law about adultery and he applies it then to our heart. Hazrat Isa Masih goes on to say in verse twenty eight, "But I tell you, 
everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And what Hazrat Esau Masih is saying, I'm less concerned with your outward purity. Hazrat Esau Masih is saying, you are not merely pure if you've managed to avoid committing adultery. You have to avoid committing adultery in your heart. You have to stop where the passions and the desires for another woman start. And you have to go and you have to cut off that sin, that sin at that place, that even if we have a sin within our heart, that that's enough to block us from God, that that creates an internal impurity. And Hazrat Esau Masih is saying, I want you to be pure of heart. In fact, he goes so far in the next few verses that he says in verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And what he's saying is that if we are guilty of adultery inside of our hearts, and if we walk down a road of entertaining internal sin and are internally impure, how can we enter the kingdom of heaven? It's not merely if we're externally right. It's whether what the status of our inside is. That's what Hazrat Esau Masih is calling us to when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's calling us to become clean from within. And he's saying to go so far that we would rip out our eye and cast it from us. Now, I don't think that Hazrat Esau Masih really intends for us to pluck out our eyes. I think he's using what we call in English hyperbole, which means that he's overstating his case, that he's saying, do whatever is necessary to destroy lust in your life. Do whatever is necessary to become pure with God. Do what's ever necessary to become clean within. He's saying that is what repentance looks like. For some people, it means getting rid of your smartphone. For some people, it means confessing to brothers and saying, please help me to become pure and to overcome these sins. In Matthew 5.48, Hazrat Isamasi he continues this sort of statement. He says, be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What does it mean by perfect? It, the, the Urdu word or the Arabic word here is kamal. It means that, uh, it means to be complete, that we're supposed to be a complete person that our outside and our inside, just in the same way that God is, is, he never has any change. He's pure outside. He's pure within that God desires the same thing for us. And the next chapter of the Bahari was Hazrat Isa Masih begins to talk then about religion. Read with me in chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. This is the attack that Hazrat Esau Masih is beginning to make very strongly against people who are doing religion for the sake of being seen by others. Whether they're giving, whether they're doing salat, whether they're wearing religious clothes, whatever it happens to be. That that is not the purpose. That God does not desire us to show our religion to other people so that we can be seen by them. Hazrat Esau Masih continues to say, and this is chapter 6 verse 1, Otherwise you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. We're going to be talking about this term father very soon. But simply said, Hazrat Esau Masih, one of his preferred terms for God, for Allah, is father. And this term shows the closeness that God the Father has with his people. That God looks to us as he looks to his children. That he He loves us in the same way that a good father loves his children. It does not mean in any way that God the Father has taken a wife and had physical children in any way. Don't think that that's an evil thought. But as the God the Father, he loves you better than any human father has ever loved his children. Hazrat Esau Masih is saying, be careful, don't practice your righteousness in front of the others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no more reward from your father. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. So some people were doing this, that they were actually making sound and they were even having a procession before them so that people would see, look how much this person is giving. And I've seen the same thing that happens today. People want to put their name upon a masjid. People want to put their name upon a place of worship. They want to their name on a plaque on a wall. And they want to be seen and applauded by other people for the righteous thing that they are doing. The rich want to make sure that people know when they give a good big gift. But if we do that, what we're saying is that the reward that we desire is we desire people will see us giving rather than simply getting a reward from God. And if we desire for our reward to be from God, then we we want to practice these things in secret. We want our secret spirituality to be stronger than our public, public spirituality. We should pray better in private than we do in public. We should study the Word of God and practice that better in our home than we do publicly. Our wives should be the happiest of wives. Our children should be the happiest of children. And our household should be ordered well, if, if God has truly changed our lives. Let me read on in verse 3. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's saying, don't, don't let it be known. Do it in secret. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. At the end of chapter 7, we read about the, the response of the crowds from hearing this beautiful teaching of Hazrat Isa al-Masih. When Hazur Isa al-Masih had finished these things, the crowds were astonished at this teaching. They were astonished. They were surprised. They, they were amazed at this teaching. Why? Because Hazrat Isa al-Masih was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. The teaching of Hazrat Isa al-Masih was different than all the religious leaders of Bani Israel. He was teaching them as one who had authority. He was not teaching them as one who was simply trying to uh, interpret the Word of God. Think about this. He was taking the Word of God like he did. He took the Torah Sharif. He took an ayat of the Torah Sharif, and he authoritatively said, it is not enough that you obey this. You have to have a change in your heart. And the people of Bani Israel had never seen that before. And this, again, is a picture of the authority of Hazrat Isa al-Masih and his greatness, that Hazrat Isa al-Masih was able to give the Word of God. And the words that were coming out of his mouth were then recorded as scripture because Hazrat Isa al-Masih was the Kalimatullah. He was the Word of God. He was the one who was bringing the Word of God. Allah Hafiz, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. I want to welcome you to continue this conversation of learning from the Injil Sharif. And in particular, I want to give you a challenge. If you want to learn about the Injil Sharif and to really learn this book, I want to give you the, the Injil in 90 Days Challenge. The Injil in 90 Day Challenge is simply this. You can easily read the entire Injil Sharif in about 90 days. If you read just three chapters a day, it'll take you about 15 minutes. You may have a lot of questions. How do I get an Injil Sharif? What do, where did the Injil Sharif come from? For answers to your questions, I want to direct you to our website. Go to injilformuslims.com. That's I-N-J-E-E-L, the number four, muslims.com. Injilformuslims.com. And you'll find answers to all those questions and more. On that website, you can also find ways to contact us directly with any questions or in any ways we may help you. Allah Hafiz, my friends.